Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Good morning, everybody. It's a great Thursday. I am Jen Sells in Denver, Colorado, and we are waiting for people to join. I guess there were some technical difficulties this morning for some people. Um, I'm Jen. I'm in Denver with EXP, and today I have Katrina co-hosting with me, and we are going to cover part two of 10 ways to lose your license or, you know, get in trouble. So, Take it over, Katrina. Alrighty, I will. Um, just messaging Autumn right now, but I haven't given me the capability of sharing my screen. And um, yeah, we'll go ahead and get started, you guys. I am in San Francisco Bay Area, and so I'm super excited because we'll get two perspectives. Since Jen is in Colorado, I'm in California, so that'll cover a little bit more of the country. Um, and and the good thing is that we actually got this list. It's inspired by um, a post that was on NAR's website, uh, National Association of Realtors. And so um, I think you guys are going to enjoy delving into a lot of these topics. So go ahead and nope, there we go. Yeah. So, so 10 ways to lose your license. Um, Actually, they, it is a NAR course. I encourage everyone in the room to jump on the NAR and take that course. But more specifically, if you have one in your state, please run and take that course. I got the topic for the last few weeks because we are often on the real estate forums on Facebook and I constantly see things that can get people into trouble. So, um, we covered a few of the topics last week. We'll kind of skim all over them in our presentation today. And then we're going to probably focus a lot on the mortgage part of it today. So, and Katrina is also a lender. So I am. I have the pleasure of doing that. Um, so I want to... Canva is doing things it's never asked me to do before. I think I went into a different mode. Uh, so let's get out of there real quick. Present. Present full screen. There we go. All right. I say it's not working like it did yesterday, Katrina. <laughs> no, no, no. It just has so many options that we get to play with. Um, so we went over mishandling funds a little bit last week. Um and that is something that is really important to be aware of, to make sure that, you know, especially as realtors, that we're very hands-off when it comes to the money. The main thing is to make sure that we don't actually interact with it at all. And the great thing is, it's funny, you know, being in real estate now for both of us have been in the uh, real estate for over 22 years. And in the beginning, we used to actually get physical checks <laughs> and have to take them to title companies uh, and things like that. Actually, sometimes still do, Katrina. So, <laughs> do you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. 
I absolutely am like, no, 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 wire, 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 or here's the address. I, don't give me that. I don't want it. <laughs> well, let's skip off one because you know, we already kind of had it last week. Misrepresentation. Yes. We went over mis- uh, misrepresentation and how to make sure that you're not rep- misrepresenting your client or anything about the property in any way. Full disclosures. Yes. Um, let's come back to this one. We are going back to this one. We are guitars. Well, the one we're going to delve into quite a bit today as far as being involved in mortgage fraud. Um, making sure that you don't have any criminal convictions and pretty much this is governed mostly by um, your board. So about the your uh, Department of Real Estate in your state. So that's not anything you really have to, I think that you really have to worry about because uh, I, I do know some people whose licenses were restricted or revoked for this. So it's something you want to make sure that um, does not does not affect your real estate business. Um, non-cooperation with investigators. So if any time there's the Department of Real Estate where your state has to come and investigate a transaction, be as open as possible. Um, the more transparent you are and more cooperation, the less likely this will affect your license in any way. Well, but in common, we covered this one a lot last week. Yes, we did. Let's oh, uh, skip it. They can go back and watch part part one if they wanted to. Yeah, wow. yeah. Go back and watch the first call because we did delve into this one quite a bit, um, as well as lack of supervision. You know, whether if you, especially if you have a team or if you have agents, even if you have a, an assistant who is unlicensed, which I believe it goes into a little bit more as well. Um, we talked about this last week. You want to make sure that can definitely affect your license. And it's probably the most common one. I Well, on that one, too, I really mm-hmm. wish that the real estate forums would have some skin in the game or what they are allowed to post and what they don't. And I do suggest if you are on those forums that you should ask your broker on probably before you put it out to the group, because I think it sets up some liability it could set up some liability in the future um if somebody ever wanted to say that you weren't being supervised um the evidence is often on the real estate forums that's true throw that way especially because the forums are nationwide and there are certain things that pertain to your local situation um not just your state but even your municipality so you really want to kind of stay away from that yeah. The next one that we have is undisclosed dual agency. And I think this is a pretty big thing that's going to be happening in the future, especially as the real estate industry changes um, or morphs again. Uh the more we are representing both sides in Colorado, we call it transaction brokerage. Um, in other states, there are dual agency. Um, and there you go. I said, um, again, uh, in other states, there are dual agencies. We don't have that in Colorado, but I think we're really going to have some issues if we're not super careful. And yesterday, Katrina and I were talking about this in preparation today. Um, so yes, yeah, because we really, 
it's part of the part of the reason why buyer representation came up in the first place was because of issues with dual agency in the past. And so with the current state of um, what's going on with commission conversations, it's I believe this is something that a conversation that you can utilize with sellers when you're having the commission conversation as to why it is in their best interest to um, to pay full commission and give us the opportunity to split that commission with the buyer's agents in order to make sure that everyone's protected. Um, real fast, uh, Sam had a question about um, about the uh, criminal activity. So as a li- as a listing agent, do we need to take any action if a cooperating agent has a restricted license because of criminal conviction and lists his broker as additional agent? Um, I don't see any reason why we would have to take any action. Um, but again, that's a conversation to have with your broker to see if um, if they would have any issue with it. But I don't see any reason why. Just because someone has a restricted license, if they, let's put it this way, if their license is restricted, but the your state still allows them to do business, they're just aware of the criminal activity. But they're saying, based on the criminal activity that they're aware of, they're allowed to utilize their restricted license, as far as I know. Jen, what do you think? I concur. I think if you are licensed in a state, you have the right to show houses and write contracts. So defer to your employing broker on that question because I don't know all the rules nationwide. Um, Right. Okay. Um, Unauthorized practice of law. I want to uh, test this a tiny bit because when I first got started in real estate, I remember people saying, well, in the contract, like when reading contracts, well, you know, we're just, um, we have to be as knowledgeable as attorneys are. It, right. Don't, d- just don't say it. Don't even <laughs> bring that up. Always defer to if, uh, if an attorney is actually necessary. But, um, <laughs> I do want to bring up a point here. I don't know if you finished that statement, Katrina. Yeah, no. <laughs> but in many, sorry, Winston went to be part of the show today. So hi, Winston. Say hi. <laughs> um, additional provisions in your contract. I know that in the state of Colorado, every brokerage is supposed to have pre written additional, you know, the quotes at the bottom, you know, how to how they want it written for post occupancy, how they want it written for, you know, anything that can come out of contract, your broker should have language for it. I do think there's a fine line in processing law when we are putting stuff into additional provisions and you better be really careful. I know that in our Colorado uh ten ways to lose your license, there was several examples in additional provisions that caused agents to be fined at a really high level, agents to have to pay for things, agents to lose their license. I really, if you are writing something in additional provisions, you are basically practicing law and you really should probably run that through somebody above you at Yes, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, I believe in every state we have a we have um, 
access to a legal department with for our state um, real estate commission, definitely reach out to them. I reach out to California Association of Realtors, Car Legal, all the time for stuff like this. Like, hey, run this by and make sure it's okay. Um, and if so, yeah, highly recommend. And if your brokerage does not have pre-written clauses, please reach out to them and ask them why, because you should saying yes okay and then the final one before we actually go back to mortgage fraud failure to meet licensing requirements so just continuing to practice and you haven't done your ce's and your license has expired and you're operating under expired license i've seen this one happen many times um so that is something you want to make sure that uh you don't allow to happen basically in the life when it affects your business okay all right let's get back to so let's go back to the fun one yeah let's go back to the fun one we you know a few things came up i was seeing locally and on the national level but mostly locally uh some agents that were posting or copying verbiage from lenders and they're putting it on their Facebook page. I don't want to put up examples because a lot of the people I actually, you know, help. And they were putting up interest rates for the day, literally quoting. And I've reached out to them and I've said, you know, as real estate agents, we cannot do that. And this is not fraud, by the way. I just want to be clear, but I kind of, it's in the mortgage arena. So I want to talk about it a little bit. We are not allowed to quote interest And I think that there are several agents out there that just do it because they copy it from the lenders page, they put it on theirs, and they think that that's great and that's fine. It's not. You have to have a license for that. You have to be really careful doing it. And we have some really cool points to talk about uh, that are gray areas, maybe not with that particular thing. We're going to talk about it. So I want to share with you guys a story and it kind of leads into how I became a lender in addition to being a real estate agent. Um, back around 2008, so right before all of the mortgage issues um, that we had in this country, um, I was at an investment seminar and someone at the time, I had a buyer who was flipping properties who was running out of cash to obtain those properties. And he was like, I need to buy some private money. And I was like, oh, okay. So I happened to be at an investment seminar, a realtor who was also an investor. Um, the, whoever the speaker was said, hey, raise your money. Raise your hand if you have money, you have money to lend. And this guy raised his hand. And all I said to him was, hey, I know somebody who's looking for money to, they already have a property under contract. He was like, really? Like, yeah, I'll connect you guys. And so I connected them via email. And in that email thread, um, one person, the, the buyer had said, this is how much money they were looking for. I was on the chain of the thread. And then the person responded with, okay, this is how much I want back as my return on my investment. This is my entrance. Because I was on that thread and I introduced them. I was brokering a deal as a lender. Even though I did not actually write up anything so 
the mortgage debacle happens in 2008 and that client couldn't flip that property because no one could get loans on property. And that investor came after me and my broker and my ENO insurance because he wanted his money back because technically I brokered a deal, even though he was a real estate agent and investor. Yeah, it's lesson learned. Um, it, luckily, it was a really thousand dollars, and luckily ENO covered most of that. So, um, but it was quite the eye opener, and it, I'd never even thought about it before. Yeah, and so yesterday when we were talking about this, I said. I think this is a really important story to tell all the agents that will eventually see this because especially today in real estate, we're dealing with cash offers. We're dealing with the interest rates that certain people have, a lot of homeowners have, are lower than possibly the interest rate that you could get from a lender. And so we're dealing with a lot of people who want to sell or carry. We're dealing with a lot of cash investors. We're dealing with a lot of like weird, funky stuff that we you know, we have dealt with over the years, but we're getting more and more and more of them right now. So it's kind of a scary thought to think that you're trying to help somebody and you say something along the lines, well, what if we can put together this? and talk to this person and find out at the end that you ended up brokering a deal. Katrina, you made a good point yesterday. You said nothing nothing is wrong until something's wrong. Like it's it's perfectly fine until somebody complains, right? Right. Because people have been doing this for years. And I firmly believe had we not had the mortgage implosion of 2008, this would never have come up. But because it did, and this gentleman lost his money, is the reason why it did. But I'm grateful for it because it was a learning experience. I get to share that experience. It then led me to getting my mortgage license later on so that I do have the opportunity, which also leads me back to what you were saying as far as quoting interest rates. Because Lynn just asked, can you share a lender's post? You can share a lender's post as long as you refer to that post. So the same way that if you are sharing another listing agents and you have to talk about that listing agent in that in sharing their property, the same thing you have to do with if you're sharing rates that your lender gave yourself sharing their rate sheet, make sure that if you're doing an Instagram reel that that rate sheet is on your green screen or that you're holding it up like you're referring to. But in my opinion, just don't quote the rate. You can say the range and you can say, based on this, I'm seeing numbers in the mid five to the mid sixes. You could say that, but do not quote anything because you are not a licensed lender. I have a different view, Katrina. I don't think, I don't think we should share a lender's rate sheet. I don't think we should share their post that says that interest rates are this today. I don't think we should say anything about rates it's i hear you but remember that there are times that you're maybe your co um that you have co-marketing with a lender for your open house and things like that there are actual co-marketing opportunities with the lender so people are going to do that so okay if you're well, going to this is the way to share it yeah okay yeah. i agree with that but here's yeah. the problem with that and i mean kind of getting off subject a little bit but 
every person that's going to get a loan has a different scenario. <laughs> if you as an agent, if you as an agent are sharing that social media and somebody calls you up and gets into that conversation and you refer them to the lender and the interest rate is a percent higher or something, it should kind of come back on you. And I just I just like to let the lenders be the lenders and agents be the agent. I, that's where I stand on, you know, anything like that. I don't want to be in trouble for anything. Um, let's go back to that subject again to, uh, you know, once upon a time, we used to be able to write as agents, seller carries. We can't, we can't we cannot do that anymore and we have to refer it to a lender um kind of scary stuff that we used to be able to do anyways right you said now in 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 there's bc and ad i like to refer to like before 2008 and after 2008 like things that could because all these new guidelines came up and truth guidelines and all like there's and all these different acts came from everything that happened there. So like you said, we used to be able to write seller carries before this, none no more. Um, and refer to a lender or an attorney who specializes in that, that can write up uh, seller financing agreements. Okay, so let's talk about mortgage fraud, actually like getting into that. Nard talks about people, Nard talks about people writing in the down payment, inflating the price, the writing in the down payment. Of course, that's that's mortgage fraud. I think that as agents, sometimes we will increase the price and write in a closing cost. And when you get in the habit of doing that, you're not thinking a whole lot. Or I could, well, I do, I think, but n- newer agents or inexperienced agents, maybe they don't think about the replicate, you know, they're, they're trying to get creative and they do well, things and they may not know that it's mortgage fraud. Yes. Yeah. Because I think they lump together closing costs and down payment and don't realize that they're separate. So the whole purpose of the requirement of a down payment is for a lender to see that you have skin in the game. So why is there uh, better interest rates when you have more money down? Because more skin, skin in the game you have in the property than the less risk the lender has. And so the whole purpose of the down payment is the lender wants to see that that borrower actually has a connection to this property, not just emotionally, but financially. And so it's also the reason why when you use down payment assistance programs that the interest rates are higher because technically you have no skin in the game. And so that's why there's all these different hurdles and different requirements for down payment assistance programs. And the reason why 100% 100% financing looks good, but it actually does not benefit the client. So when you're going to write up offers and you're increasing a price for a credit back, that can only be for a closing cost or a seller buy-down, uh, interest rate buy-down from the sell- as a seller credit. But other than that, it cannot be towards down payment. Also, another version of mortgage fraud is if you're speaking to a client, and this happens a lot when the client is a relative, and you know that the source of their funds is coming from 
some other place than it should be and you help guide them through, oh, here's how you make that legal money, that's mortgage. Um, <laughs> Rita, <laughs> this is why I say the lender does the lender's job. The realtor does the realtor's job. Let's keep it that way, okay? If there's a conversation about the loan, yes, you can pre not be qualified. You can have a slight conversation in the middle. I mean, at the very beginning. And then you pass them off. And then you say, I'm sending you to the money guy. Right. Have your conversations there. I don't want to know where your money is coming from. I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, I don't want to get into those conversations. It can set you up for issues. This is what we're trying to tell you. That yeah. another one, are you done with that subject? Because yeah. I have a, yeah. a couple more. So, buying a home is a primary. <laughs> okay. You mean you staying in your buying a home is a primary. Yeah. So, if you've been in the business at all, I guarantee you that someone has said, well, there's restraints on a primary home are less. On an investment home, there are more. Why don't we just say we're buying it? No. Okay. I'm I'm even afraid to say it out loud, right? But yes, this happens and that is mortgage fraud. So if you know that's happening as an agent, I suggest you step away. I will say there is one caveat to this though. Okay. FHA allows you to buy two homes if they're a hundred miles apart from each other. And let's say for work purposes, you work in one area part of the time and you work in the other area part of the time where you and your spouse work and your buyers work with. They're allowed to do two FHA loans as primary residences as long as they are more than 100 miles apart. But that is the only time that that is possible. But I'm not even going to get into that because on an FHA loan, how often would you do an FHA loan yeah, as okay. a lender, I do them all the time. I, I probably do majority of one. No, not FHA loans, but two homes. Oh, I do them quite often, actually. Okay. Because in the Bay Area, well, in Northern California, people do do long commutes. And so there, it does actually happen quite often here in California. Interesting. I know. Crazy. Uh, the other one that we are not dealing with so much now that when the market's really hot, we deal with a lot of post-occupancy agreement. <laughs> yeah. And I personally dealt with a ton of buyers and a ton of sellers back in 2020, 2021, 19 even. And the post-occupancies were getting to be like people wanted 75 days people wanted four months people wanted all these crazy numbers and it kind of puts an agent in a sticky situation when that happens because on fha loans i believe it's 60 days and on the rest of the loans i believe it's 90 that you can do post occupancies for you have any things about that <laughs> Well, because Suma actually just asked the question that we were going to address, which is, 
uh, asking for a security deposit. You absolutely should have a security deposit. Well, no agreement. No agreement is an agreement without consideration. Uh, consideration. I was looking, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at. I got you. My brain. <laughs> well, so yes, you you need a security deposit, and yeah. the longer they stay, the bigger the security deposit. I I think uh, it's skin in the game, right? So if they're going to stay for three days, and something happens to whatever. Do you have enough to cover the issues? And Jen, I don't remember if it was you who told me this or someone else told me this recently, that they also have a per day, per diem, after whatever the agreed upon time frame is. So for instance, and that it escalates in order to um, basically not have that occupant take advantage of already being in the property. Well, in the state of Colorado, we have... Uh, it had written into the contract. So if you are not out by a certain date, whatever the number is that we put in, mine's usually $350 a day, unless mm-hmm. of course, well, that's on an average price home. Mm-hmm. But if you're four tracking million dollar homes, then it might be 500 to $1,000 a day. Yes, that is true. But basically making sure that all of that, and making sure you have an actual lease agreement not just a seller rent back agreement, especially if you're in a state that is, has rent control ordinances, because, oh my gosh, can that exacerbate a situation? Because technically, as soon as they're there, 31 days, they are now tenant, no matter if they were the previous owner or not. They were. I was checking the chats really. Yeah, I was too. I don't see it. Okay, so mortgage fraud. There's a bunch of different things. I suggest you take the course. If you are ever doing anything that you question, please call your managing broker. And there you have it. What is the, it's 930 right now. Next week, we're going to come back and we're going to do... Just next week, we're going to do a pollution. There's one so sorry about that topic. Yes, because I think that is the number one interferer with production is yeah. Look, let's just say, let's just state plainly, it's the time suck of our lot. It is the <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for coming and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.